Thank you, Nick. I'll just uh, invite Simon to come and join us. I'd love to uh, pray for him before uh, we hear what he has to say. He's rummaging in his, uh, his little box. I think he might want to give you the opportunity to buy some of his books at the end. I remembered. You don't need to remind me. I'll remind you at the end as well. So let's just pray for Simon. Father, we thank you for bringing Simon to us. And we thank you for the message for us that you have placed on his heart. And I just pray that we will receive with open hearts, open ears, and this will inspire us in your direction. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Simon. So this is not being Right now. Uh, yes, it is. Great. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be with you all. And uh, yeah, I was last in Perley about 15 years ago, so nice to be back. And uh, my name is Simon Gilbert. I don't know if any of you have heard me speak before, probably most of you haven't. So, to give you a bit of context, uh, I'm recently back from 20 years in Central Africa. So, uh, white skin, but uh, Actually, Burundian. I'm Burundian as well as being British. I've got two passports. And it's a country to the south of Rwanda. Lots of people haven't heard of Burundi at all. It's one of the most forgotten countries in the world. It's the hungriest country in the world. It's got the highest rate of malnutrition. It's, it's, my, it's my home. I really feel that. I love it. I thought I'd die there. And I'm 48 years old. I never thought I'd get to the age of 30, honestly, because when I went, went out there, people tried to kill me. People I care about were killed. Um, I really lived genuinely expecting to die, not, not every weekend, but weekends basically, the equivalent of just, um, well, if, if Pearlie was the capital of Bajumbra, it'd be like, I'm driving out of that way to tell people about Jesus, and in the meantime, it is very dangerous, it's guerrilla warfare, it's rebels, and people come out on the road to ambushes, and so, all that to say is an introduction, very different from life in Pearlie, isn't it? And the challenge for you guys is to have the same sense of urgency that I had living out there expecting to die. And you might think, that's not a very nice way to live, expecting to die. It's a brilliant way to live. Because if you thought you were going to die next week, how would you live today? I think you'd probably live very, hopefully, you'd live very differently to how you're living right now. Because you'd recognize that getting really excited about a new carpet fitting or an extension of the house, it's not worth getting that, that excited. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with getting that excited about it. But, you know, because you're not going to take that with you. And that doesn't really matter. And what really matters is people, isn't it? And not stuff. And if you thought you were going to die next week, you would want to have your house in order, wouldn't you? So you'd say sorry to anyone you'd offended. And you'd receive an offer of forgiveness. And you'd invest your money in stuff that lasts. C.S. Lewis says anything which is eternal is eternally out of date, isn't it? And so I learned lessons on a real coal face that totally apply back here. I think often here we get taken out because here, Pearlies are a really nice place, isn't it? And it's peaceful. And often, I mean, I don't know you, so I, maybe you can say, Simon, I'm not living life like this, but most people in Pearly are living for comfort and for security. And they've got a peacetime mentality. And I've only been in Pearly an hour, but I can see bombs falling all over. Different bombs. I, can, I can't hear literal bombs. In Burundi, it's literal bombs. It's literal gunfire. But here, what is it? Comfort security, materialism, apathy. They're different issues, aren't they? But that's, that's the reality. We're in a spiritual battle. And yeah, it's easy 
to, to sort of settle in. And if, you, if you've got a peacetime mentality, you do, you just fit in. You just tone things down. You're respectable. And yet the gospel is not respectable, is it? This message we got is powerful. And we've had, you've got this, this great series. You're looking at various biblical characters. And today we're looking at uh, Abram. By the way, some of you, well, I'll tell that story as we look, as we look at the scriptures. But uh, some of you will be wondering, well, why would you go out there? And why would you risk your wife and kids? Because genuinely it was dangerous. And uh, when I proposed to my wife, I said, are you ready to be a young widow? That's not your average proposal, is it? But um, she had to buy, she had to know what she was buying into. And then and we had three children, now they're 15, 13, 11. And, uh, and yeah, it's, you have to embrace the cost of following Jesus. I think some of us, it's like, sometimes I ask myself, am I following Jesus? Or am I expecting him to follow me? On my terms, at my convenience, and that's a, that's a difficult question to wrestle with, isn't it? And uh, but my logic would be, how far is too far when Jesus on the cross went that far, and He didn't go that far for us to be nice people in Berlin. I'm quite sure of that. He went that far for all of us, wherever we are, to live all in for Jesus. And please don't think I want you to come to Burundi. That's not the agenda. I just want all of us to experience the life to the full and the fullness of life comes in the context of full surrender to Jesus and all in. And Abram's got loads of good stuff to teach us on that. So yeah, if you did want to get anything afterwards, you know, this would be my DNA, if you like. It's a call to radical discipleship. I've just got a few books there if you wanted to get them. How far is too far when we went that far? And then the other one, so that's that one. And then this one is a daily devotional. So it's a daily shot in the arm. So some of you, what I'll say now will will be decidedly uncomfortable. Others will be like, yes, that's exactly what I need because I don't want to cruise along in, with spiritual mediocrity. I know that Jesus is worth everything. And that's why I hope Abraham will challenge us and encourage us to embrace. And I know that's what Doug and Co here would want to impart to each one of us. So if you've got your Bibles, we keep those open. Genesis chapter 12. I love this passage. At the end of chapter 11, he'd settled in Haran. And some of us, we're settled here. And too settled, not all of us, but we've got to keep in step with the spirit, haven't we? We've got to keep, we're all on a journey, metaphorical journey, and we're not called to run ahead of God or lag behind. We've got to keep in step with the spirit. And if you wanted a title to today's talk, I'm calling it the adventure of calling. The adventure of calling. What does adventure imply? Adventure implies highs and lows and risks and, and adversity and challenges and sometimes stretches of boredom. And I don't know. Hopefully that's, that's been your life as you follow Jesus. You know, it, it's, it's, it's meant to be an adventure. And some stretches are going to be easier than others. But, you know, he said, I've come here life and life to the full, fullness of life. That's our birthright, fullness of life. And yet again, some of us, the challenge is that it seems to me that our highest aspiration seems to be to arrive safely at death. And that's not a very compelling life vision, is it? He's saying, I want you to live life and life to the full. That's why I died on the cross for you to have. And so I'm calling the adventure of calling for a reason. I want us to embrace the adventure of calling. One guy, one man was asked about his experience at church. He said, dutiful, but disconnected from my heart. Can any of you relate to that? Dutiful, but disconnected from my heart. There's that great line in Braveheart, all men die, few men truly live. And yet, second century theologian, St. Irenaeus, he said, the glory of God is man or woman fully alive. So what I'd love to come out of this is that we will depart this morning fully alive. The glory of God is man or woman fully alive, embracing the adventure of living, not settling for the safety of existing. 
And if you're up for it, and I can't tell from your facial expression, some of you are like, no, this is just so not what I want. But others I can see, you're, you're saying, yes, yes, I'm with you. If you are up for it, you have got to come, okay? C-O-M-E, four, four uh, sort of principles from the life of Abram from these scriptures. You've got to come if you're up for it. If you're not, I'm like, all right, stay. But come, please come. And the first one will be C, you've got to claim God's promises. Look down at verse one, one to three. God says to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then this incredible sevenfold promise comes. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. And I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That is a nuts promise, because he's a wrinkly old duffer, isn't he? He's older than most of us here right now, and he hasn't been able to procreate, uh, because Sarah, his wife, is barren. And yet the promise is that through your seed, the nations will be blessed. Now, Abram is the least controversial character in the world. Billions of people look to Abram, don't they? Because Jews look to Abram, Christians look to Abram, and Muslims all look to Abram. And, and yet it was, I'm not saying all religions are the same, by the way, at all in saying that, but everyone looks to Abram. He's, and, he, and the promise was that he would become father of many nations through his seed, which is ultimately through Jesus. And he gets given this promise, it's a nuts promise, but he claims that promise. And in verse seven, if you look down there, he says he actually built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him as he was on his journey. He claimed the promise of God. And I want to encourage us to claim God's promises. Now listen, I'm not talking a sort of twisted, you know, claiming a promise out of context to justify exactly what I've already decided to do. I think some people manipulate scripture to do that. Like I remember once with this girl, I really fancied, and uh, I, 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 her name was Ruth, and uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a sportsman, I was at Loughborough University, and I'm a good tennis player, and she was a British University tennis player, and it's like, <laughs> she loved Jesus. And I put in the spade work over a few months, and I wanted to clinch the deal with Ruth, and, uh, and I went up to her, and I was nervous, I was like, Ruth, you know, you love Jesus, I love Jesus, and uh, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, I'm delighted in myself in the Lord, my, my desire is you, baby. It didn't work. It didn't work. Guys, that's a funny example. That's, that's, that, that was a, a misapplication of scripture. That was a taking of scripture to, to, to satisfy exactly what I wanted to do in my life. Some of us are good at doing that. When I'm saying claim God's promises, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that if you are doubting God's faithfulness through this COVID season, if you're struggling to hang on in there, you can claim 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 24. It says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And if everyone else is letting you down, you're thinking, am I, am I completely alone? You can claim God's promise in Hebrews 13, verse 5, where he says, I will never forsake you. I will never let you go. And you're up against the odds. You can claim Philippians 4, verse 13. I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if you're doubt, if you're struggling to trust him, you can claim Proverbs 3, verse 5, 6, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. No, with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In some of your, no, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will make your path straight. And so many things are coming at you. You can claim no weapon that's formed against us will prevail. So there's loads of promises we can claim. 
So, all right, why am I in Burundi, Simon? Why would you risk your life? Why would you risk your wife, your children's life? This, this is my call to Burundi. So I'm 25 years old. I'm 48 years old. So when I was 25, so 23 years ago, I was in London, and um, I was praying this prayer. So if you want the adventure calling, please pray this prayer. My prayer was this, God, I will do anything. I will go anywhere. Now that's just, to me, a logical prayer. Because if he's made us, surely he knows what's best for us. And so if you're not going to pray that prayer, it means you're not after the best for you. Now it's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? Because it might take to Burundi. But, but it's the best prayer you could pray. If you buy some fancy gadget, you read the maker's instructions because you want to operate it well. And we are more than fancy gadgets. And so it makes sense saying, God, so that's my prayer. God, I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. And I said to him, I don't want security because security is a mixed blessing, isn't it? Because when we're secure in and of ourselves, we don't need God. Amen? That wasn't a good hearty amen. I think it wasn't probably because we love security in Perth, don't we? And I was saying, I don't want security. I just want to be in your will, Lord. I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. So this guy tracked me down. We met up in Bishopsgate in the city. I'd never met this guy before. And he starts saying, um, my name's Robert DeBerry, and I've been praying. I believe God sent me to you. And he wants you to go to Burundi. <sighs> be involved in youth and mission. Evangelism, my heart's thumping in my chest saying, God, is this you? Is this you? Is this some nut job? You know, I don't know. And I said to him, thanks, weirdo. I'll think about it. I'll be spiritual. I'll pray about it. And I went back to my job. And I was in front of the computer. I said, God, right now, in front of the computer, if that wasn't a nut job, if that was you, then that means leaving family, friends, security, career, everything, going to a place where I might get killed and people have tried to kill me. So give me, a, give me a radical sign right now in front of the computer if you want me to go to Britain. And I took a phone call and the voice on the other end, out of the blue, said, do you know anyone who wants to work in Burundi, <laughs> you know, that was that was nuts, and that was my call. Now listen, you've got three choices on that one. Either you're saying Simon, you are lying, you are deceiving us. That did not happen. That's the first choice. I'm either lying to you, but would I risk my life for a lie? My wife and kids for a lie? No, that is what has happened. So hopefully you can discard the lie. The next one is that you'd have to say, wow, what? A, that's one heck of a coincidence. That's an amazing coincidence. Wow. And that it could be a coincidence, couldn't it? I think most of us would agree that wasn't a coincidence. That was the third one. That was a God incident. And in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And the eyes of, eyes of the Lord range throughout this cardboard this morning to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's for you. He wants to strengthen you. He's like, who's up for this? Who wants the adventure of calling? Who's up for it? Encourage me. Is there anyone up for it? Brilliant. There's a few of us. Well, let's, let's be those people. It's like God's saying, I want to use all of you. This is not just for Doug. It's not just for Sue. It's, it's, this is for all of us. The offer is there for everyone. But you've got to claim God's promise. So when I got that phone call, I was like, I built an altar to the Lord. I didn't literally build, build an altar, but... You know, and what I want to say to you guys is, you know, pearly real estate is probably quite expensive, isn't it? You probably haven't got a big enough garden to build an altar. Some of you might, but, but it's like somehow, what does it look like to build an altar to the Lord? Because what, what Abram did as he built that altar, is that, you know, on his, on his peripatetic journeys, uh, as a sort of nomadic lifestyle, there'd be times when he'd come back to that place and he'd see that altar and he'd remember this absurd promise from God that hadn't yet come to fulfillment. 
And he was like, God promise. And I'm going to claim that promise, even though I can't see it yet into being. So that's the first thing, claim God's promise. Secondly, so C, then O, because we're coming up, C-O-M-E, C-O, obey God's command. So, verse four, so, so Abram left as the Lord had told him. I love that. It's no song and dance. It was a big logistical operation. He's a wealthy man. He had his nephew Lot. He had you know, cousins and, 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 and loads of animals and servants and that sort of stuff. And it just says, so Abram left as the Lord had told him. You see, it's not enough just to stand on the promises of God. I think that's a danger for us in church. Because church is a safe place, isn't it? And so we've got all these promises, and we can just stand on these promises and like expect God to do everything for us. But no, we've got to move. And Abram had this nuts promise, this fabulous promise. But he couldn't just say, whoa, I've got the promise. I couldn't say just say, yes, I've got this fantastic promise about Burundi. I had to go, didn't I? And so I'll carry on my story because you've got to practice what you preach or preach what you practice. And uh, so, you know, what did it look like going to Burundi, the obedience? So I received that phone call. I lost the plot in the office. People thought I was more weird than usual. And then I, I, I packed my bags. I had a farewell party. And then that guy who'd recruited me as a sort of preacher evangelist type for Burundi, he rang up and said, Simon, I'm really sorry. Uh, the Burundian... Uh, church, they, they, they just rang me up. I've misunderstood. They didn't want an evangelist preacher type. They wanted a secretary for the bishop. It's like, what? God, what are you doing? Because maybe you can see it in me. I'm not the most ecclesiastical people. It wasn't my passion, skill set, or gifting. I was like, God, what are you doing? But I'd already had the farewell party, so I had to go. God, what's going to happen? Anyway, track with me on this one. So I went out to the north of Rwanda for four months to be with my granny, who was 83. Anyone older than 83 here? And I'll give you a little get out clause. Okay, maybe. So granny, age 83, when grandpa had died, she's like, in England, you're just gonna stick me in an old age home. Whereas in Rwanda, I'm an old kid, you know, I'm a wise old dame. And so she went back out age 83 and had an amazing ministry with widows, 15,000 widows in a diocese. And I'm truly remarkable. I haven't got time to tell her story. Well, go on, let me tell it because it's, it's good, isn't it? So she started the Widows Week. She had 30 people that first week, 30 widows. Next week, 80, then 100, then 200, then 300, then 400. And they had to split them into two groups because there wasn't enough room in the cathedral to sort of look after all these widows. And then they started taking the widows' daughters and teaching them a trade because without a father there, they're routinely taken for sex. So she was part of this amazing, empowering movement. And uh, she did that for three more years. And age 86, still above 86, at uh, age 86, her last day in action on planet Earth, they'd long prepared this widow's meeting and uh, she preached, she let rip on them. You know, she was 86, so, I mean, she was Cambridge educated, so she was a sharp cookie, but she was, she was this doddery old battle axe. And, uh, and she preached for an hour. There's a last photo of her taking her live, doing the traditional in holiday dance like that. And then she said goodbye. You know the French goodbye? You've got two, two words, haven't you? You got au revoir. And adieu. And au revoir means to the re-seeing. And adieu means till God. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit had whispered to Elizabeth Gilbo, you're coming home, baby. And uh, so she said adieu and she waddled home and had a game of Scrabble and then had a stroke and went to be with Jesus. What a, what a great way to go. What a great way to go. And do you know what? I was preaching a few years ago in Chicago. And uh, it was pretty much an all-white church. But there was this black guy after us, and he came up to me, and he said, Gilbo, 
Gilapur, that's my last name. Gilapur, your grandparents changed my life. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord. 9,000 miles away across the oceans. I didn't need that, but it's like God's saying, this is worth everything, son. And he just gave me that bonus encouragement. My grandparents said, what I'm doing is worth everything. Claim God's promises. Obey God's commands. Whatever age, no one's excluded. Go till you drop. Plenty of time to rest in glory. He wants to use all of us. Everyone is commissioned. Everyone's involved. Claim God's promise and move in obedience. Abram left as the Lord had told him. And in scripture, there's direct correlation between love and obedience. Three times Jesus says it in John chapter 14. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he or she is the one who loves me. This is love, 1 John 5, 3, to obey my commands. Jesus, Philippians 2, learn obedience to death, even death on the cross. And every time, this is quoting uh, Tozer, American theologian, said every time you hear God's word, God's truth, you'll either go in the direction you're called to go, or you'll just wait. And if you wait, you'll find out that the next time you hear that word, that truth, it will not move you quite as much. And the next time it will move you less, and the time will come when that truth will not move you at all. Now, I think that's, that nails, if, if you've got ears to hear, that will nail you, what I've just said. Because I think the Lord's speaking to us all the time. And yet I think we just get taken out through not responding to his prompts. And we harden his heart. And that's disobedience. It could be passive, lack of obedience, which is disobedience. And he's recommissioning you today here at Burley to be who he's called you to be. All of you. He wants to use us. We've been bruised. We've been on the back foot. It's been a tough season, hasn't it? It really has. And it's going to carry on being a tough season, frankly. But that's what we are made for. Can you hear that? You are made for such a time as this. And you need to claim God's promises. You need to obey God's commands. The next one ties into what I just said. You need to maintain faith in God's leading. And if you look at Abram's story, he then becomes Abraham from exalted father to father of many nations. But he had to maintain faith in God's leading. It wasn't an easy journey, was it? He had to, verse chapter 17, he had to go off over there to rescue his nephew Lot. And then I love it, the biblical realism. You know, if, I, if we were writing the Bible, if the Bible wasn't the word of God, we'd have airbrushed out the mistakes that these men and women have got, wouldn't they? We would have told that episode, told two episodes where he lies about the identity of his wife, Sarai, because he's scared. You know, that's, that's all of us. We're all scared. We're all fickle. We've all screwed up. And, and yet, by God's grace, he can use us. But ultimately, even up to chapter 22, you know, do you remember where he lays down the, the child of promise? Ah, ah, so. Trusted God and he maintained faith in God's leading. Now, if you've been following, you know, a number of you got grayer hairs than me and some of you got more hairs than me. But, but uh, you know, you've been following Jesus a long time. You have had to maintain faith in his leading. Because it's not easy, is it? Anyone having an easy time following Jesus? Please don't put your hand up, because if you're not putting your hands up, it means you're not following Jesus. Because we've got an enemy, the devil, and he hates us. And that's what the African church has got to teach us in spades, is that often back here, we just don't really get the spiritual battle. And if you are all in for Jesus, he hates you. He wants to wreck your marriage. He wants our kids to be making terrible choices. He wants us to watch rubbish on TV that just takes our heart out. He wants us to get distracted by things that really don't matter. He wants to waste our money on frivolous spending. He, he, he's active. And, but if you're not 
resistant to that, then he'll yeah, just go for it. Yeah, be a be a nominal Christian, just go through the motions. You're not affecting it at all. Same the same. And so, if you're having a tough time, I suppose to be affirmed in that the challenges of life. Jesus didn't say it's going to be easy, did he? John sixteen thirty three. He said, "In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, take heart." Brothers and sisters here, Pearly, I have overcome the world, and we are. That's this, isn't it? We are more than conquerors, more than conquerors. That's Romans 8, verse 37. Verse 37 says, we are more than conquerors. This is not rocket science. Verse 37 comes after verse 35, where he says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, dangerous, or no? In all these things, we are more than conquerors. You are more than conquerors here. Through Christ, who gives you strength. So you need to maintain faith in God's leading. Now, I've told you some glorious stories about incredible answers to prayer that I've had. Um, but, but did I always have those crazy answers to prayer? By the way, on the obeying, I didn't tell you this story, but uh, my, I rang up Granny when I had that phone call. I said, Granny, can you teach me the language? Because she was in Rwanda and I ended up in Burundi. But Rwanda and Burundi used to be one country, Rwanda Rundi. So I said, Granny, can you teach me the language? And when I rang her up, she said, oh, I'm so excited. I'd be, if I could, I'd be dancing on the table. And, and I went out and I sat at her feet for four months, learned her teaching me the language. Kenya Gwanda and Anasti Burundi. For those four months, I was praying, God, please, when I get down to Burundi, next country down in four months, please, I don't want to be sexual for the bishop. Please let me work with Scripture Union. I got converted through the Ministry of Scripture Union. It's interdenominational. It's access to the whole youth nationwide. That was my vision. So for four months, follow this, for four months, I'm praying, Lord, please, when I get down to Burundi, I want to work for Scripture Union. In Burundi, the, the Scripture Union, they heard this Mzungu, this white guy was coming, and they said, please send it to us, Lord. And this was 1998. So I first got an email, I wrote out an email, I said, guys, pray that I can work for Scripture Union. So you've got three countries praying the same prayers. Follow this. Second last night in Rwanda, right in the north of Rwanda, Granny prayed me, I said, God, we've had enough assignment, and he surrendered to you. You just make it clear what you want to do with him. So I said goodbye, Granny. I went to the capital, Kigali, in Rwanda. And I went just for 10 minutes to one guest house in the capital to meet and greet my boss who'd flown down from London. And as I met him, the head of scripture in Burundi stopped off on a three-day drive to four countries further away. And we looked at him because it's three men from three different countries in transit to two different countries praying the same agenda, meeting one guest house in the capital for 10 minutes. Now, was that a coincidence? Come on! The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. Strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So whether it's the phone call a few months previously, or now in a guest house in Central Africa, he's like, there's my boy. There's Simon Gilbo, and he's got his issues, and he's a fickle duffer, and he's going to screw up a plenty. I know that, because I'm outside of time. But he's up for it. And I'm going to use him to change the world. And I've had a chance to see hundreds of thousands of lives come to Jesus. That is our God. But do you think it's been easy? No. I claim the promise of God. I obeyed, I moved as a day ran, and I had to maintain faith in God's leading. Let me give you an example on the maintaining faith, because that's another great answer to prayer I shared with you. But do you think all my prayers are answered like that? Wackily? No. So one time, this is when our third child came, and um, we came back to England. We were going to America for a couple of years to sort of set up our charity in America to get more funds to come into the work of Burundi. Basically, when the third child was born, we already had our visas to go to America, and then they wouldn't grant us one for the child. So we were stuffed. It's like, God, what are you doing? You know, and 
it was just, it was it was January. There were seven of us, three kids on the age of four, in my in-laws' two-bedroom apartment. Seven months. I mean, it was it was it was hard work. And I was like, God, did we mishear you? Did we get it wrong? And I was very frustrated. It was very challenging. And I think God was just teaching me a pretty fundamental lesson. The lesson was this: Simon, I'm God, and you're not. And just get used to that and live with that. And it was a brilliant, very important lesson to learn. But you know, what, what it made me do is that in my frustrations, I'd go back to the scriptures and I would I just learn all the, all the verses about plans. You can, go, you can go to Proverbs 16, Proverbs 19, some great verses, nuggets there. In his heart, a man plans his course, but it's the Lord that determines his steps. Many of the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevails. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. And your plans will succeed. Job 42, no plans of the Lord can be thwarted. So, by the way, once I'd learned those lessons, it was the best year of our marriage. We weren't dodging bullets, and it was, it was, it was, it was a different kind of stress with three over the age of four, but it was, it was good. And I was like, well, Lord, we're just trying to do what, there's no point worrying. It's out of our control. We're just trying to follow you. And it was a crucial life lesson there. Now, listen, this is my favorite prayer I'm about to say to you outside of the Bible, okay? And this prayer I often came to in tears. And it's a prayer by a Trappist monk called Thomas Merton. And shut your eyes right I invite you to shut your eyes right now and listen to this prayer, because it will be for some of you. This is his prayer, it's so honest. He says this. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. Amen. Isn't that a great prayer? I mean, that was me. My Lord, I'm so honest. I have no idea where I'm going. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. Brothers and sisters this morning, listen, if you're trying to please him, he's pleased. I mean, that's pretty basic, but that's, that's quite a revelation for some of us. Some of us have got this twisted view of God that he's condemning and angry and that's not who the our heavenly father is now if you're messing around making really bad choices he's saying come on choose better make changes choose life make better choices but if you're giving him your best shot he's pleased so maintain faith in god's leading lastly so what do we have claim god's promises obey god's commands Maintain faith in God's leading. And lastly, E, embrace risks for God's glory. Oh, none of us, well, not, not none of us, but hands up here who's a natural risk taker. Anyone? Natural risk taker? All right. If you're slowly going on that, you're probably not. Um, but uh, it's a minority. And listen, I'm not saying that for those of us that didn't put our hands up to feel condemned. No, that's just the reality. I think three to five percent of people are wired to naturally want to take risks. The rest of us, it's like, yeah. So hang on. 
a quarter of your sermon is given to the fact that I'm meant to embrace risk for God's glory. That's really uncomfortable. You know, I come to church because it's comfortable. It's, it, and and you, you, you're saying not just come to church, but go out and, and share Christ. But listen, if we look at the scriptures, a cursory glance at the Bible will show us that all our heroes of faith, heroes of faith, they took risks. Here's the encouragement. Often, they were reluctant risk takers. And that can be us, reluctant risk takers. But, and and they, did, they screwed up if they did it by themselves. But Jesus didn't send them out by themselves, did he? It was always at least in twos. And so the call today is to embrace risk. What's it look like to step out of my comfort zone for Jesus? And Abram did. He left what was comfortable in, in Haran and he moved with the Spirit of God. In Burundi, I used to, um, I, I usually was preaching on a Sunday different churches, but when I went to my church, it was past the beach. So we got the longest lake in the world, Lake Tanganyika, so just a regular beach. And I see thousands of young, mainly men, on the beach. That's quite a religious culture out there, it's a Catholic country. So most people go to church on Sunday. And so they're on the beach on Sunday morning, therefore, they're not really into Jesus. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, get out on the beach. I'm going to start an outreach on the beach. And I was like, oh, God, give me a break. I'm doing enough stuff, please. Uh, but he nagged me for about seven months. And then she all right, Lord, I'll start an outreach on the beach. And so it was a bit of a pain at six o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, to go for a 10-kilometer 10, 10, 10 run. But I'd get to the beach. And uh, usually I'd be the first person there of our team. And I'd be scared. So I can't do this by myself. They, the team always came. I'm sharing that to say, look, we think some people are going to get We're all scared on some way. The team came. We did this, I mean, sweaty bodies and all big kicks all over us. We, every week we saw people come to Jesus. It was brilliant. And the bonus I got is once we'd finished and prayed with people and I, we left. And I'd, I'd go past the sort of marijuana den of Burundi. All these young guys just sat there in the corner smoking weed and you know, I got the bonus of a guilt-free passive smoking high. All right, I'm joking. All right, someone give me daggers there. I'm joking. But listen, the point I'm making is that we are meant to go out, aren't we? I think we're, we're, trying, we're saying to people, can you come in there? Now that is a, no, I, I was brought up with this, so that's familiar to me. But that is a really weird place for people who've never been in, isn't it? And he's saying, you go, you go. You know, of late. If you're taking notes, and remember this, remember this, Jesus at the door. Jesusatthedoor.com. I've got a, an app on my phone. It's called Jesusatthedoor.com. And it's a picture of a heart with a door in it, with a stick man knocking on the door. The handle is on the inside only. There's an app called Jesusatthedoor.com. Please get it. With that thing, in the last month, I've led three people to Jesus. And I'm not, it's not because I'm Simon Gilbo and I'm amazing. It's just because it's a really simple way of telling people about Jesus. I was playing cricket the other night in Cambridge. There's one spectator, Hindu bloke called Shami, sat next to him, just got talking. And then I showed him this picture. I said, have you ever seen this picture? And do you pray? I said, no, I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah, I pray. But uh, look, this is Jesus at the door of your heart, Shami. And see the handle? It's on the inside. Only you can open it. And lots of people pray, but it's like they're praying through the door. They don't know who they're praying to. And then I just shared the gospel very coherently because it's, it just tells you what to say. Show me, are you, do you want to see Jesus now? Do you, he's knocking at the door of your heart. You can open it right now. Brilliant. All of you could do that. 
I did it, I was filling a skip the other day, the guy that came to, to do the skip, to take it away, I said, what's your name, Mike, Mike, you ever seen this picture? She prayed. By the end of it, you say, all right, I'm up for doing Alpha, I'll check it out. All of you can do that. That is E, embracing risks for God's glory. Write that down, jesusatthedoor.com, check it out. Let's do a few YouTube videos to see how he does it. Anyone can do that. That is the most exciting thing I have found for our culture right now. And all of you could do that. And then, you see, 96% of people who follow Jesus in England have never led anyone to Jesus. So I suspect that's most of us. I'm not saying that for us to feel bad. But three weeks ago, I took out, no, sorry, this is last month. Well, I did it three weeks ago, and we saw four people come to Jesus that day on the streets of Bath. Last month we did it. I took out 18 people. Two ladies came back. And they're like, yeah, two of the 18 came back. And they had never led anyone to Jesus until that day. And they came out, yeah, they had led someone to Jesus. It was so beautiful. So it's so empowering, jesusatthedoor.com. That's something very practical that you could do. Embrace risks for God's glory, right? I'm coming to an end. What, well, what does it look like for you to take risks? God wants to use you. We've got this message. We're not any better than anyone else, but we are better off. Because, for example, we don't need to be afraid of COVID. Lots of people are afraid. Our birthright is to not be afraid. Where are death is your victory? Where are death is your sting? It's going to be okay. I mean, it's not saying the disease isn't very serious, but our birthright as Christian is to not live shackled by fear like most of the rest of the country is. People are crippled by guilt. Our birthright is to be free from that because Jesus has taken that guilt and wiped the slate clean. He's given you a purpose to live. It's your motivation. It's given you, hopefully, a joy that can defy the difficult circumstances, a hope into eternity, for now and into eternity. I know where I'm going. I'm ready to meet my maker. Peace in my heart. There's so many good things, aren't there? And he wants us to share that. Now, the, my closing thing is to tell you about a guy called um, uh, McKenzie, Gordon McKenzie. He went into primary schools doing research on... Well, he had, a, he had one question. His question as he went around primary schools was, hands up here, who's an artist? Have you got any artists here? So, four, five, six-year-olds, let's say there's 30 in each class, hands up here, who's an artist? <laughs> 30 hands, 30 out of 30 hands go, yeah, I'm an artist. And then seven-year-olds, there's a bit less, 25, eight-year-olds, 20, nine-year-olds, 15. By the time they got to 11-year-olds, Maybe it's the onset of puberty, self-consciousness, whatever. Hands up, who's an artist? You know, two or three hands. Barris, reticent, demure, self-effacing. Yeah, I'm an artist. And the conclusion to his research, I mean, that question, hands up, here is an artist. What is it? It's basically hands up if you believe you've got what it takes, isn't it? And the conclusion to his research is that everything in our culture, in our community, is sucking us into a mold of rigid conformity. And conformity is not maturity. And I was that four, five, and six-year-old. Now, the proviso I say here, we were all that if we had loving parents. So this is not everyone, is it? Some of you, you know, but if you had and I did, parents that loved me, that affirmed me, we were, without proviso and we were those four, five, six-year-olds. When someone came along and said, hands out here as an artist, I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm a traffic genius. Yeah, I've got what it takes. And then slowly, 
Simon, seven, eight, nine, he just got crushed. And this morning, God wants to say to you in Perth, in 2021, you have got what it takes to be who I've called you to be. And my, my kids, you know, when our gene pool is not very creative, we're not very artistic. And with each kid, back in the day, you'd all have kids or grandkids and you, you, or, or nieces, nephews, and you, you, you give them a piece of paper. And they get that crayon, they're already holding it the wrong angle, you know it's not really pretty. Uh, and they're very earnest, they look at this paper and then they, you know, so this is that gross aside for me, and they went, <laughs> and they butcher this piece of paper. And objectively, the artwork is, how can I be polite? It's rubbish. It's, it's hopeless. It's, but I'm their dad. And I think it's amazing. It's the best they've got. And where do I put it? Do I put it embarrassingly behind the toilet? No, I hang it up where everyone can see it. And I'm like, look at that. That's my boy. It's brilliant, isn't it? Now, two things on that. First thing is that you're alive right now. If we had to describe what you look like in the picture, some of you would be like, I have butchered it. I didn't stick to the lines. I got the color scheme wrong. This is so important. If it's the best you've got, this place. But if it's not, what, what, what if it's not the best you, you got, if, 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 if you have real, really screwed up, makes a bad choice. This man, look, it's fake. What do I? Anyway, I would just take. This, this morning, Jesus says, hey, look at it. Here's a new piece of paper. And let's do it together. Fresh start. That's so beautiful. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning, I'd love it if you'd be able to do mention of cool. And if you're going to do that, what are the four things you need to come? You need to claim God's promises together. Obey God's commands. Maintain faith in God's leading. And embrace risks for God's glory. And quoting Oswald Chambers, he said, If you will abandon everything and come to Jesus when he says come, then he will continue to say, come through you. And you will go out into the world reproducing. You'll, you'll go out into Perth, Croydon, Banstead. You'll go out into the world reproducing the echo of Christ's come. Well, have you come? Do you want to come now? That's the offer this morning. So I'll call it a day there. Grab me after. If you want to pray for our, I'd love it. Just come up and give me your email because that's the, that's the advantage I get. I'm still alive because people pray. Once I drove along the road, 40 people got killed and I got through. And, and I know why. Because people pray. Guy came to my house with a grenade to blow me up. 
wrote me a letter saying he's going to cut out my eyes. So I'm still alive because people pray. And I've got guys out there, our team is still out there. And I'm trying to get people to pray. So I'd love you as a church to pray for us. So come up and talk to me afterwards. Buy one of those books, get a daily shot in the arm and choose life. But I'm going to pray for you right now. Some of you, if your body's dicky, stay seated. But if you want the adventure accordingly, if you resonate with what I've said, I'm inviting you right now to stand with me. But, you, but don't stand unless you mean it. Do you know what I mean? So this is a costly prayer we're going to pray. It's a prayer of saying, I can't. So only stand if you're up for it. Count the cost. The invitation's there. Father God, thank you for my brothers and sisters here right now. Thank you for all of us, Lord. And, and, and I pray for whether we're standing or seated. If we're seated, I just pray that sooner rather than later before you, Lord, we'd, we'd get that place of recognising that the safest place to be is in the heart of your world, that it's worth being all in. And those of us that are standing, Lord, we're saying, bring it on. I want to make my life count. I don't want my highest aspiration to be to arrive safely at death. No, I want life and life in abundance. Thank you, you came that I have life and life to the full. And so I'm going to come. I'm going to claim God's promises. I'm going to obey God's commands. I'm going to maintain faith in your leading. I'm going to embrace risk for your glory. And so that you're going to use us here eternally and beyond for your glory. Well, whatever needs changing, may we have the courage to make bold decisions. Some of us are just tweaking our lifestyles. Some, some of us are whole-scale revamping, renovation. It's new life. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'm not going to bargain with you. Thank you, it's all about grace. Thank you that you give me a fresh piece of paper. Thank you that you make all things new. Thank you that you believe that I've got what it takes to be who you've called me to be. And so I commission you, brothers and sisters, to be God's hands and feet and mouthwits. Being bold, being brave, embracing risks, doing Jesus at the door with people on our street or colleagues or door-to-door salespeople, whatever. In Tesco's, whatever to be used for your glory. Maybe have stories of drawing people to yourself. Come, Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Simon, thank you so much. Hang to follow that. Should we stay standing if you if you feel able? Um, just as Simon was speaking, there's so much we could pray into there. And I just want to start in one place. And that is the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus came to be baptized. And John said, I can't be doing this to you. And you should be doing it to me. And Jesus said, no, you need to baptise me. And Jesus was baptised. He was sinless. He didn't need to go through this cleansing, this thing. But he went under the water and he came back up again. And the skies opened. And we know what happened next, don't we? Which is... That the voice from heaven said, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. And we're doing this witness course at the moment, and that's where we start, this affirmation of God, that actually Jesus hadn't done anything yet, 
other than be his son. And God's words spoken over him were, I am pleased with you. And there are many regulars here, there are some visitors as well, you're very welcome to be here today. And I hope that you will hear those words, that the Father is speaking over you, every single one of you. I am pleased with you. Can we receive that? Maybe hands out, say, I'm not pleased with me. But Jesus gives you a fresh piece of paper. And before you do anything, before you claim his promises or obey or move or maintain or take those risks, he is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. And I think we spend so much time, as I say, not being pleased with ourselves, that we forget the Father's joy that he made us. We can step into the Father's joy just by being us. So, Father, I just pray for each and every one of us today that we can receive that pleasure without doing anything, because grace is not about earning anything from you. It just comes to us. Jesus died on the cross so we would be saved at no cost to us. He bore everything. Because the Father is pleased with his creation and he gives us a fresh piece of paper each and every time. And when we know his pleasure, we can claim his promises. And when we claim his promises, we can obey those promises. And when we obey those promises, we can move out and take those risks. And so thank you, Simon, for what you have shared with us today. And we do pray for you, for your ministry, for all that God has done with you and all that God will do with you. And we just praise God for the word that you have shared with us today. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.